You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Welcome to episode 118 of Three Geeky Ladies. We're back after a four-month hiatus, and it's good to be back. I'm Elisa Paselli. With me is Suze Gilbert. Hi, everyone. And Vicki Stokes. Hi. How's everybody been these last four months? Uh, Terrific. <laughs> I know here it has been incredibly hot. We had a week, and I know, Suze, you're Put, uh, you're, yeah, I you're mean, playing really, a small violin right now. Yeah, but I am actually a big into violin. The high nineties, close to a hundred with the with the heat index, and I have to say, I am nice and tanned because I have just been poolside pretty much all day long. It's been great, but this week has been very rainy. Yesterday just poured the whole day. Today it's about ninety right now, very humid, but the wind is blowing, so it's not killing me right now. Not having a fan on. We've had a really good weather, you know, summertime weather-wise. It's too bad you don't drink wine because you certainly are whining a lot. <laughs> I'm, I'm not whining. Oh, I'm not whining. I love it. The humidity. I can hate be it. I like See, warm I, weather. I have I a pool. Whining. I'm whining. I hate it. I'm waiting for fall. Yeah. Well, you guys are humid. You have humidity. There's no humidity. Well, I, I actually, I like the humidity, though, because when you're a woman of a certain age, um, dry heat like Tucson like Arizona, sucks every nanomolecule of moisture from your pores. So mm-hmm. I always felt like a prune out there. But no, I like, actually, humidity makes me, my, I, I don't mind it as much. I, I really don't mind the heat too, too much. We went camping. We took Buttercup, our little travel trailer out this weekend, just to try it out for, for a weekend when it was hot. And we were by a lake. And I'm telling you, um, we won't be taking it back out until it's in the 80s because it I mean, the air conditioning, you know, it's great because it's kind of glamping and stuff. And that wasn't bad. And we had a, we bought a box fan to actually um, have outside. So if we were sitting outside, at least we had a breeze because there wasn't any breeze. But the sun is so strong. It's hard to even, um, you know, be in the water when it's that strong. But we did do a bike ride and we did do a two and a half mile hike, um, you know, on Sunday morning, which was nice. But it's just, just, just too hot. But that said... Texans are a hearty bunch because that campground was packed. <laughs> Everybody was very respectful and quiet, but it was just, it was a state park. But um, there wasn't one um, campsite that wasn't taken. So go figure that out. I mean, it, it, I don't know. Maybe people just like to bring out their RVs or their trailers and just sit in air conditioning because at least, the, yeah. you know, the trees. And uh, we had raccoons that kept coming through our campground. Um, Baby raccoons, which actually were kind of cute. Our dog did not care for them, but um, and I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame her. That is. <laughs> but you had the lake too, so you no. could pull off in the lake and go fishing. And well, my husband actually went, um, did take a swim, and he said it was like bath water. You know, it was very, very warm. We're in mm. France. We were by a river, and that was just really refreshing. You know, it was cold. Mm. It was one of. It's so cold. It's like Maine. You know, you have. It's probably like New York to uh, Elisa, where if you go to like a river or a lake, it's so cold that, you know, it's bracing. But it feels great once you get used to it. But, you know, the water's definitely not bath water. So speaking of France, tell us about your trip. France was terrific. I spent uh, the month of May uh, researching for the book I'm co-authoring with my friend, and I spent a lot of time hiking, and I really was pushing myself. So I was doing about eight to 10-mile hikes a day, usually up you know, small mountains or um, pretty steep hills. And unfortunately, Widget uh, did not like them all the time. She, I had a backpack for her. Um, but she came with me. And then when my husband came out, um, we, we were there two weeks in Vaison. And then we went to the countryside at the base of Mont Ventoux. And I, I climbed up, um, I hiked up Mont Ventoux, which was a huge, um, 
it was one. It was a wonderful pilgrimage. That's all I can say. It was fabulous. Uh, I went by myself, which was interesting because um, I got <laughs> I got lost. I, I the first the first two trails I took um, were off. They were kind of off the map tra- trails, but I thought it'd be kind of cool. Well, I ended up getting lost in the woods. I found my way back, and I. I called my husband. I said, you need to pick me up and bring me to the actual trailhead. So once I did that, it took about six hours. I climbed through some old growth forests, uh, which were just beautiful. I went through an alpine meadow. And when I started to hike through the meadow, all of a sudden, these butterflies came out of everywhere. They were There must have been a, a, probably a, at least 100 butterflies. It, it was just amazing. And I didn't realize that when I got when I took the northern route up, I hiked the northern route up to Ventoux, which is the highest mountain in northern Provence. They call it uh, the giant of Provence. And it's about 6,723 feet. So it's like Mount Washington in, in New Hampshire. Um, but usually every few years or so, the Tour de France goes up to Mont Ventoux. Um, so you know, we see a lot of cyclists, you know, uh, cycling that all the time. It's really popular. So I didn't realize that when I got through this, this beautiful cusp of woods, there was probably a, about two miles through the woods. And I thought, great, I'm almost to the summit. I came out to the rock face because Mont Ventoux was uh, deforested. That was denuded back in the 17 and 1800s. They took the, the, um, a lot of the lumber off the, uh, the top of the mountain and they shipped it to uh, Toulon to make ships, you know, uh, for their Navy. So it was a rock face and many times it was very, very steep. You have to realize this was a vertical incline and the, I did not realize I was going to rock climb. And that really put my life into perspective because I am a, a klutz. Everyone that knows me, they know not to give me breakable things because I'm extremely klutzy. Yesterday when I was walking out to the garage, I thought the garage door was up. It wasn't. I hit my head and almost gave myself a concussion. I've had like six or seven concussions. So this was a real challenge for me to see this. Um, in France, they call them, um, uh, what do they call them? Calou. They're rolling rocks. And they're limestone rocks, and they can be very slippery. So, oh, man, I said, please, Suze, please don't let this be your last day on earth. Pay attention. So I literally had to talk myself to go walk through these rocks, and the path kind of disappeared. So I got up there, and I'm not afraid of heights. So the heights didn't bother me. But I thought I was at the end because I could see off in the distance, uh, because it's all uh, hairpin turns. It's pretty much switchbacks up on the rock face. I said, well, great, I'm almost to the summit. Because I could see these people, um, I saw like this little cairn of rocks, and these people were yelling at me. So I said, awesome, Mike must be over there, because he was meeting me at the summit. Well, what I didn't realize, they were yelling at me, bone courage, which means have courage. I thought, oh, that's not good. That's not good at all. (laughs) So I texted my husband. I said, where are you? I don't see you. He said, "I'm I'm still above you. I'm above me. He said, Susie, I don't see you. I think you have a ways to go. I'm like, oh, my God. And I did. I still had a ways to go off the summit. So when I got up there, I made it up there. And um, we went to the store uh, so I could get a pair of socks. He bought me some Mont Ventoux socks. And the woman asked me in French, you know, she said, what way did you go? And I said, you know, the north. And she said, the north? You hiked the north? And she said, that's brutal. I'm like, yeah, now I I realize that now, and it's not the easy climb, it's the hardest climb, but that's the story of my life. I always try to do everything the hard way, but it all is well that ends well. So I had a, my husband promised me a Mont Ventoux ice cream sundae, and we had that, and it was actually great. It was a, a huge accomplishment for me. It took me, once I got on the proper trailhead, it took me about six and a half hours. And next year, when we go back, I'm going to do all three routes. I just won't do the rock climbing one again. Mm-hmm. I, I We'll do the north one again, but I'll stop before the rock climb. And then I'm doing one from Bedouin and the other from Malison, which is usually the two routes the cyclists go. But the hiking paths um, are, are really uh, nice and they're long. They take about nine hours. It's going to be a nine hour hike from Bedouin and a nine hour, not about a nine and a half hour from Malison. But what's nice about in France, and I, I, the French do such a great, great job. They have hiking trails that are called Grand Randonnées. So, you know, basically big hikes. You have Randonnées, which are not, um, they're smaller hikes. But what's beautiful about it, you can buy these 
maps and they will show you all of the hiking um, trails. And there's so many of them in France and they're marked. Usually the Grand Randonnées are red and white stripes. So you always know um, the marked path where you're going. And the smaller Randonnées will just be a yellow stripe. So you know what path you're taking all the time. It's, it's just great. And they, they do such a great job keeping up these paths and trails. And uh, my girlfriend and I, before my husband came, um, we wanted to go to this pre- uh, place called Prebillon. And it's very hidden. It's very hard. It's, not, it, it's really not a trail on the map. It's, we, she found some article um, this little arcane article that had directions to it. And so we had to go through these vineyards and through the woods. And what it was, was this monastery was built in the sixth century. And these women of uh, pretty good uh, nobility and good means went and started this, this monastery in the forest. And it's been there since then, and they did a little bit of restoration, I think, in maybe the 1800s. But the, basically, the landscape is taking over um, this ancient monastery, and that was absolutely magical. And so, my girlfriend and I we hiked in there. We hiked home, and the next day, um, I brought my husband there. And when we were looking um, you know, at the ruins, there was this French woman there, and just this it was really strange she was this uh this older woman and she very pointedly she said have you been to the source and i said no and she in french told us if we follow this path and i thought i heard her wrong because she said if you follow it to the end there'll be a source and you'll have to go through the water but it's it's a little difficult but it's worth going so we said okay well we did we followed it to the very end it's it's this hidden it's this huge grotto this huge huge rock it was totally private and all you could hear is the dripping of water and it was just absolutely magical we got back she wasn't there but what a wonderful day we stayed there like two and a half hours just you know taking in the landscape and just it was an incredible peaceful experience so we'd love to go back to that next year as well so we'll be going back in the fall that's that'll be our adventure next year we'll um we're gonna go i'm gonna do one one two my husband probably won't accompany me i'll have to go by myself because he's scared of heights (laughs) just getting up driving up to go pick me up he was white knuckling it and he was singing to himself so he didn't have to look down at the valley so i can't keep putting him through that because i'm afraid he's going to have a heart attack going up to moment too yeah that would be my husband too and as incredible (laughs) as that sounds and good for you for finishing it i think vicky and i would be down by the pool yeah, we'd be waiting for you, you know, with a drink oh, ready. God. I, 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 my biggest fear is being lost hiking. Nah. We, we've done it when we went to Puerto Rico. I mean, we're talking back in 1984. My husband and I, we rented a car and we drove out to the rainforest and we walked up to the mountain. We walked up the mountain. We were up in the clouds and we misplaced where we were standing and we came down the other side and our car wasn't there. Mm. And it took us a while to realize we came down the other side of the mountain. We had to kind of walk all the way around. That wow. was that was an adventure and kind of scary because back then you didn't have cell phones where you could call for help. <laughs> you were on your own. Yeah, I, I just, just can't do that. I, I I I have this fear of being lost in the woods. You know, I'm not a person. <laughs> no, I'm not either. Well, I grew up in the woods. You know, my dad was a forest ranger and he was, he's a naturalist. He's a conservationist. Mm-hmm. And he, I am so grateful. Um, you know, he and I've talked quite a bit and he, um, you know, he, I think he was really excited that I did something like that because I, I, I always feel all trails lead to somewhere, all roads lead to somewhere and you really can't get lost. I mean, it, they all lead somewhere. So I, I wasn't ever worried. Well, even hopefully was, somewhere safe. <laughs> well, even when I was lost in the woods, um, I went, oh, oh, the path is gone. Uh-oh. So it was funny because I, I you're, you're going to like this story. I texted my husband. I said, Mike, um, I said, I'm on the wrong path. It disappeared. And he looked and he said, Suze, you're, you're lost. You're, it's, it's east of you. And I said, stop tracking me. If you track me, I'll shut off my GPS. <laughs> I said, I'll figure it out myself. But you know, really? that's, oh yeah. I mean, that's to me, that's the excitement of, of trying to. No, 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 no. If I get lost, I want it to be in the big city. 
I'm a city. I'm a city girl. I'm not a country girl by any stretch. I'm not a a country girl, girl, but I'm a forest girl. Um, I'm a forest girl. Put me, drop, drop me in New York City. Drop me in Boston. Drop me in San Francisco. Drop me in a big city. I'm good to go. I'm good to go too. Well, I don't mind cities, but I'm going to be honest with you. The older I get, I'm going back to where I was when I was younger. I prefer, I prefer to be away from people and in the forest. There's just nothing. I mean, there was nothing like climbing up this one of these mountains um, before I got to the base of Ventoux and seeing. I mean, all I heard was just birds and and just the 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 wind rustling through the leaves, and there was no one else. There was just something so incredibly gratifying and beautiful about that that I want to have more of those experiences. I just I love being really and and just being solitary and just and being connected with it in that way. I don't know. Maybe I'm having a Thoreau moment. No, but I, I understand really... why people enjoy camping and enjoy hiking and love being out in the woods and just what they call it, communing with nature. I, I totally understand their point and why they enjoy it. It's not for me. I'm too type A. I need the hustle and the bustle and the busyness and the noise. I need that. I'm becoming the Grinch because all I can hear is noise, noise, noise. <laughs> I one, there was no planes, cars, nothing. It was like, oh. This yeah, is- I like peace and quiet, but I like peace and quiet in New York City. So. Exactly, Vicky. <laughs> When you live in Dallas, there literally is no peace and quiet because we live in the Metroplex has six million people in it. So to me, getting out and even though I wouldn't say a state park is uh, is like Vaughn too, where there was nobody on those trails at all. Um, it, there is a peacefulness to it, and I like it because it's you know you can keep to yourself and you can you know or you can communicate with people whatever you want to do, but it's just quieter, which I like. It's mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people are on, there's no motor um, boats on the lake. There's just canoes. And there's something, you know, really wonderful about that, too. So, you know, we now we want to get a canoe because we really like canoeing. So, yeah, we, I don't know. I, I think when we retire, we've been talking about buying land up near the Olympic Peninsula. And the, every time... Mike comes home and he deals with a bad driver or he, we get, he's like, okay, you know, first it was like, we'll get five acres. Now he's like up to 10. He said, pretty soon it's going to be 20. I want to see if we can do 20 acres. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to probably be like nomads and um, uh, hermits. So there you go. Yeah, I, 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 can, I can relate to being the quiet. I don't even like going to a beach because the noise gets to be too definitely, deafening and yeah. uh, it gets to be too much for me. I like quiet. No, that's not my idea. Um, but no, uh, I've never been a um, camper. Uh, I think it's my mom made me that way. <laughs> you know, my mother was always, you know, very afraid of stuff happening to us when we were out there. So I, 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 I believed her. So. See, there's nothing I, I, I mean, I love, I love bugs. I love, I love leaves. I, I love don't. animals. I love all that stuff. It doesn't yeah. bother me. You, you know, I just, I yeah. like exploring and I like, um, I don't know. I just, it's always been part of me. It's always been, you know, part of my DNA, I guess. So. Vicki, you and I are sisters from another mister. <laughs> because I'm the same yeah. way. When I went to camp, you know, summer camp, I think once, one time it was a private camp. One time it was a Girl Scout camp. And for one, it was two weeks, and one of the weeks we slept over from Monday to Friday. So that was four nights sleeping outside. It was horrible, and every single time I would get bit by a mosquito in the eye, and my eye would swell shut. Oh. Every single time, like, what is this guard? No, I'm done. I'm I sleep in hotels on a bed. Nope. <laughs> See, I went to summer camp just about every summer, and sometimes my mother would send me, you know, for a couple months. I loved it. I loved it. If I wasn't with my grandparents at Cape Cod, I was at summer camp and I love being in the woods. So I, yeah, I, the woods are a safety net for me. I mean, they're definitely where I feel the best. Um, that's, yeah. that's probably my special. I, I, my mom was like the den mother, mother for my brothers, uh, my two brothers, um, Cub Scout thing. So we did go camping and stuff, but it was, they were like, you know, safe places. We didn't, we were down in the middle of the woods by ourselves, you know, their campgrounds, that kind of thing. And, and I didn't even like it then. Exactly. I didn't, exactly. I didn't, I didn't what... want to be at home, but I, I just, 
in my camp. The same thing. It wasn't in the middle of nowhere. It was at an official campground. But still, you're sleeping on the ground in a tent and a sleeping bag. And there was the lake and there was horses and there was all this icky stuff that I just don't relate to. I It's like Mother Nature and me, like we're on two different, we're like on opposite ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I was sort of a tomboy. I did like... I did like to climb trees and do all that other good stuff, but I like to climb trees in, in, in you know, in urban areas. You know? Yeah, you know, I get why people like it. It's just <laughs> no, nope, just, just well, because when I was when I I read this very special poem when I uh, when I got to the the woods of Mont Ventoux, I, I I don't know, it inspires me. Uh, creatively. I just, I love drawing and I was able to sit and, you know, sketch for a little bit before I, you know, headed up. That's probably why it took me six and a half hours. I did stop and make some sketches and and read little snippets. I don't know. It's a spiritual experience for me, but you know, and and that said, another spiritual experience for me is, is wine. And I'm actually, um, my husband's encouraged me to take it, but they actually have, um, it's like a basic sommelier class, which, um, not wow. that I'm going to be, Where's that? it's in Dallas and it's put uh-huh. out. Uh, yeah. And so I really, I've been, um, studying, you know, more about wine. Cause I mean, I know, I think I'm pretty knowledgeable as far as, um, regions in France and, um, Oregonian and maybe Washington wines, but I'm not, I, I could be better with Californian wines um, and more of the, the you know, I, th- I think I do like Malbec. So I know Argentinian wines as well and, mm-hmm. and what they grow there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I just think I, it'd be really good. And I'd like to know, enhance my knowledge more of, um, of, of French wine too. I think that would be probably the area that I'd really want to concentrate in. But uh, yeah, so it, it's, I- it's been really interesting, actually. I've been, I have flashcards and everything. So <laughs> yeah, yeah sounds good. Yeah, I, and- I I would like to learn more about it too. But you know what? I'm sort of I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm not really that impressed with California wines anymore. Um, I think some of them are a little too young, and some of them don't age well. I bought a bunch of them that just did not age well at all. So I'm going back to like Spain and Italian wines. Yeah, Spain and, and Italian. Oh, especially yeah. Italian wines. Mm-hmm. I I agree yeah. with you, Vicky. Uh, it used to be, you know. Back, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you know, everything that was seemed to be coming out of California was, you know, the big cabs and mm-hmm. the big buttery Chardonnays, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that's my case of guess- change, though. That's, that's another thing. You, you, you yeah. It changes. And that's that's exactly. But I, I have to say is, you know, in France, it's really interesting because um, they have. You know, people, you can see the the dichotomy of um, vineyards that are picked by hand and Mm -hmm. the craftsmanship goes into making that bottle of wine. You know, many of them are, you know, fifth, sixth generation, some some more. And then you see what my friend calls Chateau de Pipi, which I love love that term because we were going by and I said, oh, I said, Julian, I said, you know, what is this? This vineyard, I haven't seen it. He said, oh, Suze, you're not going to ever want to have anything it's just chateau de pipi he said that's what the french call it that's what we call it. I'm like oh okay i have to remember oh that but it is it's basically large production everything is mechanized you know mm-hmm. they, they spray the grapes you know and yeah. um, with pesticides yeah. and they're getting you know top it, it's nothing about you know the taste or the flavor or when they're going to pick they're just okay to where you know you have this you have um low production um vineyards that you know, it's like, okay, we're picking today and they call all hands on deck and that's exactly the right time. The acidity, the sugar, everything is the right thing for that grape to be picked. And you can taste the difference when you, mm-hmm. you know, you're paying more, but you're also, you're tasting a really wonderful wine usually. So. Yeah, but I think they also sort of uh, market it for the masses, you yeah. know, and, and, and the yeah. masses like just, just guzzle wine, you know, uh, <laughs> Millennial rosé for nothing. And, you know, I have to say is in Cote de Rhone, the heart of where I usually stay is primarily rosé. And they have Tavelle, which is a um, one of the uh, AOC, which is the appellation that, you know, they, they're they governed by an AOC and an AOC in France. For our listeners, it's um, 
they basically, when you have, when you are an AOC wine, the time that you have to pick your grapes is regulated. What what you can blend that grape is regulated. Everything about that particular um, uh, appellation is regulated by that AOC. So it's high standards, but it's for, you know, it's, that's what people buy and, and pay for that too, is an AOC wine. So uh, what we have many times is um, we have Jikandas is another AOC that's next to us, but we have a lot of rosés. And, you know, I do drink rosé when I'm over there when it's warm because they're very dry and they're refreshing. And it's always a, it's always a shock to my palate when I come here and I buy a rosé, even a French rosé, because they it's like they sweeten it for the American palate. And it's like, mm-hmm. ooh, it's not quite as dry, you know. Yeah, as, yeah. Um, yeah granted, that- it, it granted, it's not an AOC wine either, but it is, you know, always a little shock to my palate that, you know, the American tastes like their sugar. You know, we like mm-hmm. our sugar here, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. I do, those dry rosés are crisp and, you know, they're just the most refreshing wine to have, um, you know, on a, on a summer day. It was really funny because in the apartment that we, uh, the little house that we rent, um, in the, it's a medieval, it's in the, heart of a medieval village and we get tourists going by and I have a little window in my kitchen, you know, when I cook, cause I, of course, unlike you guys, I do adore my cooking and <laughs> I was having a glass of rosé one day and they just came out with fresh strawberries at the market. And they're the small little, you know, Fred de Bois, the little uh, wood strawberries. And I said, Ooh, I'm going to throw some in my rosé. And I, put it on the window and I had these French people taking a picture of it because they've never seen people uh, seen a person put strawberries in the- <laughs> and, oh god Suzanne that's probably really American I probably <laughs> should have done that but um no it's 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 really nice and you know mm-hmm. I I don't know about uh California if they're uh, um, doing rosés but I do know that they you know, there it's a thing that's trending. Yeah, it is. The, they, they also yeah. have this rosé uh, champagne, which I think tastes like pee-pee water, like you know, like the French would call it. it, it <laughs> but that's just me. You know what? You got to realize it's your palate. So right. I, don't, I don't want the listeners to think, oh, these, these snobby women. No, it's your palate. And it changes. If you drink a lot of wine, it's going to start changing, you know? And you can maybe have your favorites and stuff like that. But I, my, I'm telling you, I've, I've been here, I've had the California wines, and when you compare them to some of the AOC, of course, uh, uh, wines, they, it's no comparison. I'm sorry. It's no comparison. There are some good wineries. I still like, um, oh, my God, the name of Ridge. That's one of my favorite. That's down in the Santa, uh, uh, the, um, Santa Cruz area down. What about Paso Robles, Vicky? Do you like the Paso Robles? Because I had some really good Paso Robles. Wine. They're good. They're very yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, they're very good. There are some good California wines, but like I said, oh my battery on my computer's going down, ladies. Uh, uh, but I, I found out to my disappointment, uh, I have a whole wine fridge upstairs, and ninety percent of the wines that I had in there are no good. They went bad. I mean, they, oh my God. some of them are, the youngest is like five uh, years old. It's not no, any good. I got some that are like 10 years old, you know, well, I pushed it, you know, but none of them last, none of them uh, age well. And these are all red because I'm really not a white wine person, but I, I do love Spanish white wines and I like to drink them at room temperature, not cold. It's something about the flavor that comes out when it's at room temperature that I discovered that I really like. Um, but I have this aversion to wine. Uh, I don't know what they're putting it in now. So I can only drink maybe one, one and a half glasses or my, and then it starts upsetting my stomach. So, <laughs> I don't know what's sulfites? in it. Because some, the sulfites yeah. give some people headaches. But sulfites yeah. are naturally occurring too, don't forget. Many times, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the reason why I stopped drinking any uh, um, nitrates too. Uh, I stopped drinking um, uh, white wines just because they, I would almost immediately get nauseated. Um, so, uh, and they have some. Uh, oh, have you had any of those wines that they're making in uh, their um, in the, the steel the steel containers? It's on tap. <sighs> no. <laughs> 
just, I can't do box. I'm sorry. You know, I am. Okay. You know, no, I'm going to just say it. I, it's actually there. You know, if any of our listeners drink box wine, I do not hold that it's against you. Wine. It's, it's wine that they make. I know. I know. But I'm picky. And I, to me, I, I mean, it's, I just got through the screw tops. Okay. But I'm happy about screw tops because it's less, you know, be, cork taint on on the on the yeah, wine of course there's the no cork taint has nothing to do with the, the no i know but you know i'm sorry i'm i really i don't i i think that's kind of i don't know well, it's just too it it's, it's like too gimmicky it's too it gimmicky like for the me container that it came in yeah and i don't I know. know i've only been to maybe four different places that had it on tap and that's been my entire experience every time it tastes like uh it uh, metallic. I don't know. It's maybe because it was in a, a steel thing, but because I don't know, it just loses its flavor. It's just like so bland. Um, but I, I have a bunch of wine old friends, and they guzzle like there's no tomorrow. So it doesn't really matter if the quality of the wine is good or not. And I'm jealous because I can't guzzle wine. <laughs> I just can't anymore. But yeah, I would love to take a, a sommelier class. Just so I can learn more about the different regions and stuff like that. I don't, I don't um, want to be like one of my friends who's like an expert on wine. This girl just like breathes and and lives it, um, and she goes to places and she just loves sharing her knowledge about it. No, I just want to know about the different regions and be more knowledgeable and just figure out some of the wines that I can try that I haven't tried, um, and that's it. See, I need to. I need, I, I'm a red wine person and I'm very, I'm very specific about the red wines I like too. Mm -hmm. I like certain Spanish wines. I like uh, grapes. I like certain Italian grapes. I like certain French grapes. And, you know, I, you know, I'm happy about, um, you know, uh, if we ended up in Washington, because Washington is a really great growing area for wine as well. Oregon has Pinot Noir and my, and my, friend um one of my friends in france is he is a burgundian wine expert his wine cob is just absolutely incredible mm -hmm. but he doesn't have a bottle of domaine um uh, domaine de romane conti and because i asked him i said do you have one and he said no because mm -hmm. it's ridiculous how much those bottles go for but he does what he does is um and he did this a few years ago. You basically kind of like buy futures. So yeah. you put your you put your money up front and then you get the wine. And he actually opened up um, uh, a couple of bottles uh, when I was there. He opened up a uh, Premier Crew and a Grand Crew and, um, from, from Burgundy. They, one was a Cote de Nuit and one was a Cote de Bone. And I have to tell you, I thought the Cote de Bone, Cote de Bone was much richer, um, velvety on the palate. Um, it had aged much nicer than, believe it or not, the Cote de Nuit, which is usually mm -hmm. the one that, you know, um, commands a little bit uh, higher price point for, for Burgundian wines. But mm -hmm. I need to really train. The reason I'm taking this course, too, is because I need to get better at exploring other grapes. Yeah, and Specifically exactly. white wines, because for me... Mm -hmm. I love red. I just I adore red. I, I could red. bathe like in red wine. One. I like the Cabernets and the Zinfandel. Me too, Vicky. And I, it's yeah. not that I. It's yeah. not that I want a big oak. I. It doesn't. I don't have to have an like oak. <laughs> but I do love a really beautiful, balanced, and distinguished wine that has you know the right acidity. Not, mm -hmm. to, I, you know, 15% alcohol really burns my throat. I like it when it's like 13, yeah. 13 and a half, um, yeah. 14. And that's something that I've noticed in a lot of California wines that they're high alcoholic. You can actually and smell it. it. It's so strong. France <laughs> because, you know, um, I was drinking this one wine. I really enjoyed it. And I, and I just remember feeling that alcohol in the back of my palate. I'm like, wow, what is this? Because I thought this was like 13 and a half. It was 15%. And I'm like, wow, that is yeah. really and a lot of the yeah. Cote de Rome sometimes wine. It can, if, if you, sometimes you can decant it. It'll balance it out a little bit. Um, but sometimes it's just at 15. That's a lot. Oh, it's a lot, yeah. and it's really interesting because there's one appellation um, in Cote de Rhone. It's called um, Vacaras, and they 
my friend was saying that the the foreigners, you know, um, and by foreigners, he means, you know, American and British people and Belgians, I guess. Those are the big three. He said they love those wines because it used to be they were up to 16% and now they're back to 15. But I'm thinking, what? That's just too much for wine. Yeah, it is. I mean, because then you're, it's so alcoholic, you're missing all of the beautiful notes that make up a wine. You can't smell it. You know, you smell alcohol. No. I, that doesn't appeal to me at all because that's not why I drink wine. You know, I, I don't drink wine really for the alcohol. I really drink wine because I love the fact that yeah. something yeah. living change, keep continues to change and, and morph into something better than it started off in the bottle. I think that's something really inherently beautiful about it. And, you know, yeah. the French put a lot of um, work and credence into the word terroir, which doesn't mean just the soil that something is uh, the the vin- the vines are grown in it's also the climate and the wind and how much sun you know the grapes receive that year and every bottle of wine that you have from a certain vineyard each year is going to be different and i just think there's something really beautiful about that you know yeah uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, I went to um, a wine dinner. I guess maybe uh, we should probably move on, but <laughs> I went to this wine dinner and um, they were decanting the wine and on a table. And I, I could smell it, it's wafting. It's just they decanted in them. And I'm sitting there and we wait because, you know, the dinner's not quite ready and then they stop pouring the wine. And I could still smell it. And it just almost immediately made me nauseated. And I was just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't drink this. I just can't. And I said, I asked him, what was the percentage? I said, it smells like this is a very high percentage of alcohol. And my friend that invited me to dinner got really upset. Oh, no, no, no. You're just, yeah, just being all picky, blah, 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 blah. And, and the lady goes, yeah, it's pretty high. You're like 17%. I went, wow. <laughs> I said, whoa. <laughs> I said, I don't think that's going to work for me. I, I'll hang back at some of your lower percentages. And that was like the lower, the lowest that they had. There, it's interesting you should say that. So, um, when I was at our wine shop last weekend, um, I was specifically looking for a bottle of Riesling. I thought, okay, I will definitely, I'm going to, I'm, I, you know, I had been reading about Riesling with this whole wine thing. So I said, okay, you know, I need to start training my palate to detect, you know, and to know what a Riesling is and a good Riesling. So uh, he, sh- we were talking about Riesling. He was very knowledgeable. My God, he's been in wine for a long time. And I guess his father had quite a cellar, but he was showing me this Australian wine that has like 17% alcohol, but the maker, and I thought it was kind of gimmicky, but I, they're like a mm-hmm. hundred bucks a bottle. Yeah. Um, and you shake it. So you shake the but Jesus out of this out of this wine and it's supposed to somehow react to the alcohol so it brings down the alcohol yeah. I'm thinking that's gimmicky to me I'm not going to shake yeah. a wine why should I have to no. shake a wine you should to be able just alcohol. Decant, it, decant it let some of it evaporate and that's it I mean you gotta shake it up what's going on with it yeah. well, I guess he's a chemist I guess the, the winemaker yeah. is a chemist and he I don't know. He figured this out, but you know, that's not a wine that I would probably spend my money on because it doesn't appeal to me. I don't, I, I don't like gimmicks. I want, I want quality, you know, when I drink wine, yeah. so. but yeah. just saying that for our listeners, I do drink cheap, cheap table wine. I have too. <laughs> I've been known to, to sip some, 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 you know what the best wine I've had is cheap that, um, to make like sangria with. You know, you have to add sugar. It's called jam jar. It's like the sweetest, best tasting wine I've ever had in my life. Oh and my I don't God. like sweet wine. It sounds like but sugar. It makes a brand. Oh, yeah. oh. It's a lot of, it's called jam jar. <laughs> so if you like sangria, it's sweet wines. That's the way to go. <laughs> and I don't drink at all, so I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. Well, I don't even think she, I don't even think she drinks uh, uh, Nyquil. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't take wine of late has been a Franciscan estate Cabernet, and it's been very very good. So I can put a plug in for that. That's a that's a really nice cab to um, because it. I, I think the one is two. It's I think it's 2013, so it's five years old. So it's it. That's good. You know, you don't after that. 
you should let a wine go to sleep. But this one was really nice. So I've been drinking. Um, that's been my table wine of choice lately. So, Suzette, before we started recording, you were mentioning something about um, an OverDrive app to read Kindle books. Yes. Um, when I was in France, um, I noticed on one of my news feed things or blog, somebody had mentioned about Libby. And you had just said it's, it is by Overcast. Uh, Overdrive, oh, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry, Overdrive. Um, and I never really cared for Overdrive as a reader, but Libby is fabulous. Um, you connect your library card, you link your library card, and they have audiobooks that you can take out from your library, plus the, e- the e-books, and it's a beautiful e-reader. Um, I've been really impressed with it. So I basically go on there because I, I really like reading on my iPad, and I find that my library, the Dallas Public Library, is getting, you know, Every week, they're getting more and more books um, uploaded up to Libby, and it's great. So it's L-I-B-B-Y, and it's a free mm-hmm. app, and I've been yeah. very, very happy with it. I'm I think looking it's a at tr- it right now. Terrific so app. you read right yeah. through that app, because normally what I do yeah. is I go through OverDrive through my library, and then it sends the book to my Kindle through Amazon. No, you can do that, but I prefer to read Libby. I prefer prefer to read right on Libby because you can change the font size. You can change the color. You of the can do paper. it on a Kindle too. Yeah. But it's just easier because you have a shelf and it tells you, you can manage your loans through that shelf so you can renew it. You can send it back to the library. Um, or you can, um, um, you take out as many books as you want through it. I, I don't know. I just think it's very convenient and well, it tells downloading you. Exactly it right many, now. Yep. You know, how I just love my Kindle. I don't think anything that will ever replace it. I'm having a love affair with it. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, yeah, I just I ordered, actually, during Amazon uh, Prime Day last week, I ordered a paperweight after nine years of using You did? The, yes, I did. After using the Gen 2, which I still love to death and I will not throw out ever, I ordered yeah. a paperweight. It should be arriving sometime today. I bought a cover and a and, and the paperweight. But the problem that I... That's I've what been, I have. I have the paperweight. I love it. Yeah, the problem it's I've so been small. having with my current Kindle is that when... I order up when when I get a book through Overdrive, it no longer can download directly through Wi-Fi. It has to go through Amazon, and then I have to manually bring it over, which is good because in that case, I have a copy on my computer. Yeah. So I can keep the book as long as it takes for me to read it, instead of having it you know go away in two or three weeks, whatever the time period is. But then once I'm done reading it, I delete it. So and yeah. and even if I did keep it, nobody else can open it. So yeah. it's, it's not like I can share it with anybody, even if I wanted to. So in that respect, it's good. But the other day, I was trying to get a book, and I turned on the Wi-Fi. It was from, oh, where did I get it from? Oh, Amazon Unlimited. I joined on Amazon Unlimited. They had it for like four months for 99 cents. I said, eh, what the heck? So there was a book that I wanted, turned on the Wi-Fi. It took probably 30 minutes before the Kindle finally connected to the Wi-Fi to download the book. I'm like, you know, wow. I can't do this anymore. I need to get a new one. Yeah, so it was down it, to it, 80 bucks. Second gen, so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so it was down to $80 on prime day. So I said, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I bought one. Yeah. And I bought a case. Well, you know what I got mine. You know what I got mine for. And I always brag about it. Yeah. <laughs> it was special for $40. Yeah. Well, I got Way mine 40. Off. I don't think they've ever had that price. Rest? I'm sorry. Yes, yeah, Suzanne and I never got it. It was just you. It was yeah, just you. Me and my sister. Yeah. yeah. Well, they like you better than us. <laughs> you you must be one heck of an Amazon. Because I shop a lot. I of buy Amazon. everything through Amazon. It's practically nothing I don't buy through Amazon. I mean, either. And I don't get specials like that. I'm very hurt. Very, very Yeah, hurt. but I put stuff on my, I think you need to put stuff on your wish list. Because it was on my wish list. But I've never gotten anything from my wish list where they've said, hey, Here's an, but you know, something I have noticed is that like when I record Geeky Show ever at the end of the show, we do picks and mm-hmm. we have a budget. We'll say, pick something between $100 and $500, let's say. Mm-hmm. And Melissa had picked something and I can't remember what it was. But when Mike and I looked on our end, it was for Mike and I, it showed the same price. Melissa, it showed a lower price. And really? All, and all three of us have Amazon Prime. And what she was wondering is maybe because she has a business account that maybe it showed her an even lesser price than it showed for Mike and I. 
I mean, it wasn't a huge amount of money. It wasn't like it was, you know, $20 for her and $100 for us. It was just a couple of dollars, but still it was lower. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know if, if I were to send you a link to something, would it show $50 for me and $52 for you? I don't know. Yeah. But it would yeah. show more if you're not prime. I'm pretty sure if you're not prime, that $50 item might be 52 or 53 for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't find anything on doing Prime Day that I didn't already have or well, I bought. that wasn't reduced in price. Yeah. I ended up buying the, the Kindle, the cover, in two mm-hmm. separate transactions. Um, I bought, you'll like this, is a They had the Instant Pot. I bought the same one. Yeah, you, I saw that. All right, so I bought the same one that you have, the three-quart duo. Yep, I love and I mine. I think I paid 58 or $59 for it when I bought it earlier this year. Mm-hmm. They had the six-quart for $58. I saw that. I was tempted. So I bought it. But I, you did buy it? I did buy it. The reason wow. why is because my middle son is up visiting. And he was starting to ask me questions about it. Mm-hmm. So I said... I'll buy it. You know, his birthday was recently. I said, I'll give you one or the other for your birthday. So it arrived on Friday. He arrived on Saturday early enough to make dinner. So we used the new one. And he decided that he would take the three-quart one because it's just him, where the six-quart one is enough for my husband and I. So that's all packed up, and he's got that. So now I've got the six-quart one. You actually cooked using it? Well... Not as much as I should, but I think come the fall, I've got to start researching more because things that I've made haven't come out all that great because I'm a lousy cook no matter what. <laughs> but one of the things I wish that they would She's do. She's so honest. Well, you know, let's, let's just call it like it is. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not doing it so that you can say, no, really, you're a good cook. No, I suck. I am a lousy cook. My kids, is, well, kids will tell you that. My husband will tell you that. And I'm not insulted because it's the truth. Yeah, You know, it's like, I admit it, I own it. But I joined some Facebook groups that relate to the Instapot and I've gotten some recipes there. I've gotten some recipes from Pinterest. One thing I wish they would do though, is when these people create recipes, I wish they would say which size they're using. Yeah, Yeah. I agree with you. Because I have small small pots, you know, they would Yeah. So when I would find the teeniest you can get and that recipe is overflowing in there. Yeah. So if they say this was created on an eight quart, this was because there's what, three, six and eight quart. This was created on an eight quart. So every time I made a recipe, I would cut it in half. Yeah. Assuming that they were using the six quart and then I would just half everything. Like the one recipe that I've made that has come out really good is we call it hamburger helper but I guess you would call it goulash or something like that, where basically brown the hamburger, add the diced tomatoes, um, tomato sauce, elbow macaroni, water, various seasonings, and that comes out good. Mm, that's what, that's what I made good. on Saturday. Yeah, we call it hamburger helper. Um, yeah, but so the pot, the difference is between that and the crock pot is that it cooks faster, right? It cooks faster as far as, like, if you're making a chicken breast, say a chicken breast takes 20 minutes to cook in the oven or on a frying pan, you might only cook it for five minutes. But it takes Mm -hmm. all that extra time to warm it up and then, you know, cool it off. That's so. Talk about the pot itself. The pot itself. So, like, because my sister in law's got one and she's like, you, Suze, she loves, she's made main courses, she's made side dishes, she's made desserts in it. And I said, this isn't any faster. And she said, you can walk away. You put everything in, and you can walk away. Yeah, mm-hmm. like a crock pot. Yeah, I mean, like, yes, crock pot does, like a crock pot. The crock pot takes all day. Right, and I think <laughs> like, like today, today I'm, I'm making um, uh, something in my crock pot. It's not going to be done like 6.30. But of, of course, I could set it on high and able to cut it in half, but still, it's like four hours, you know? Yeah, like when I used to make um, things so. in the crock pot, I'd make pulled pork or beef stew. You put it in about 9 o'clock, and it's ready at 5, and then we'd eat, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock or so. Yeah. And you just let it sit yeah. there. So I have to figure out how do I make beef stew or pulled pork in the Instant Pot. Mm-hmm. So I'll have to research that later and, and figure all that out. Um my, like one recipe I made was kind of like a chocolate lava cake and I'm Ooh. doing it, you know, making all of everything and I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. You were supposed to put them in four ramekins. I don't have any ramekins. And plus there's no way I could have fit four in, in my three quart one. So I have one of those Corningware round dishes, like one quart. 
use you know I use at Thanksgiving. And I poured everything into there, and I followed the directions as far as how long to cook it and whatnot, and it's done. And it's not cooked. It's cooked on the outside, not in the middle. I'm like, oh, crap. I put everything in one bowl. It's supposed to be in four bowls. So I kept adding two minutes, adding two minutes, adding two minutes, and it was like, this is disgusting. It got thrown out. So I need to buy some ramekins. I need to be more careful to make sure I've got the supplies. But I've been buying little things like making sure I've got... um, Chicken chicken broth, the little granules to mix with water because a lot of recipes take chicken broth. I've got, you know, cans of diced tomatoes. I have more seasoning. So I'm starting to like slowly buy a lot of the different ingredients that many recipes have in common mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and doing that. Like my sister-in-law had said that she made corn on the cob that was so fabulous she will never cook it any other way. So when I, we go to visit in a couple of weeks, I'm going to say, lay it on me. You know, tell me what to do. There's some cookbooks you could take out from the um, from the library, too. But also Amazon has a couple. Yeah, I've seen a couple of them. You have to be careful. I look at the reviews and you can like download a sample of them. And some of them are like, oh, please, this is not really a cookbook. Um, but. What the thing is, Elisa, I think how you can cut down on the six quart to the three quart is there's a line inside of the um, in, of, of the metal bowl, mm-hmm. and you just want to make sure you don't add any more. Your liquid doesn't go above that line. But I find that you know that you've got the little trivet inside, and yeah, yes. I mean. Ramekins are easy with that, but also I bought a Daddios. They have a Daddios um, anodized aluminum um, pan that you could get for the three quarts, the six inches. So any six inch like uh, steel pan you can put in there, and you, that's what you can make your cheesecake. And they recommend that like you put like aluminum foil sling in it, so you, you know you don't burn yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to get it up out of there. Yeah, but um, I haven't done a like a cheese i'm not a big cake person to be honest with you i love chocolate i mean i want to do a chocolate tour in it i would do that but my husband wants to try the cheesecake but they have a french book a french cookbook for the instapot that's coming out in september and i thought ooh, the the woman has i've got it on my wish list i can i can put it in the show notes but um that is going to be more french inspired which i love french cooking so i thought well that might because i don't own any any uh, Instapot cookbooks, except for the one that came with it. I usually go online mm-hmm, and there's some really good, yeah, there's some good recipes uh, on there, but I would like there to be a little bit more, you know, French inspired. And this one is called um, Instantly French. It's going to, it's going to be by Anne, Anne Ma, M-A-H. It's classic French recipes for your electric pressure cooker. And it's going to be released mm-hmm. on September 25th. So I said, whoop, that's a win-win for me. So. <laughs> I did print out one for chick- uh, not chicken, um, shrimp in like a lemon butter. Oh, that so sounds I'm, good too. I made that one and I just printed – it's missing something and I don't know what. I don't know if I'm not putting enough lemon juice in, if I need to put more Italian seasoning in. It just seems to be missing something. And I'm not – like I said, I'm not quite sure what. And I just printed one out. For shrimp with asparagus and spaghetti. So I think the next time I buy asparagus, I might try that one. Yeah. <laughs> this old gal, that's 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 the name of the website. This old gal, one word. She is an Instapot aficionado. And she has three quart recipes in there and regular. So that's another one to try too. Because I've been I've used some of her recipes. I have it's so hot here. I mean, I could we're just having like things I don't have to cook at all, you know, um, because I really, um, I've been doing like pasta salads and stuff because I just hate to heat up the house when we have AC on. I think it's irresponsible and it's so darn hot outside. So Ooh, we just orange, eat cool. Orange, orange glazed pork chops. Oh, Pecan that's chicken good. salad sandwiches. That's Ooh, great. That sounds but, good. Yeah. So see, I mean, you just have to, if you do some real research. Yeah, I haven't like spent a whole lot of time. I said I go on Pinterest and I go on Facebook. They've got three different. They've got a few different communities that I. One was for beginners, Instapot beginners. One is just for Instapot users, and one is strictly recipes. All you do is say, "Hey, I just found this recipe for shrimp," and it links to it, and then you can go check it out. 
Hmm. I just, I just had this thing about, I remember my mom having one of those pressure cookers and she, just like my fear of the forest and all other stuff probably came from her, my fear of the pressure cooker came from her because she would make us leave the kitchen and none of you <laughs> We also never had a gas stove because she was afraid the kids were going to turn the gas stove on. <laughs> yeah, my mom was sort of like paranoid about her kids uh, blowing up her house or something. <laughs> <laughs> So anything else going on or do you want to wrap up? I don't know of anything that's going on with me. I'm trying to think. Um, I'm going to three Red in- Sox games in a month. Oh, wow. Yes. I am going to see them in Tampa. In fact, as soon as we hang up, I have to buy the tickets. Um, and we're doing the, they call it the Rays Club. It's, exp- it's not cheap. I'm not going to lie. But it comes with food and drink. And then, and then, so you're up like in the, um, like in a suite area. And then if you want to, you can go downstairs and sit in like leather chairs. Mm. So that'll be nice. Like box seats or something. Yeah, I guess. Wow. And then we're going yeah. to see Fancy the. Smith. Pardon me? <laughs> Fancy yeah. Smith. Yeah, never done that before. It's, it's like one of those one and done kind of things. Like yeah. we'll probably never go to Tropicana Field again. So it's like, yeah. hey, what the heck? Because we had taken a tour a number of years ago. I said, that would be cool if we have the opportunity to see a game. And it turns yeah. out, like, we're going down to visit somebody. And I said, we should go see if there's a game going on, you know, regardless of who's playing. It just happened to be the Red Sox. I'm like, score. So that worked <laughs> out great for me. My you know, husband's like, oh, crap. Then we're going to Fenway to see the Mets. And then we're going to Cleveland to see them um, against the, the Indians. So that's that's our summer plans. We're going to be in your neck of the woods. We're going to, I'll be in New York, Connecticut, Cape Cod, and Maine. Then my husband goes back. Um, we're seeing friends and family. And then he, he comes back with Widget. And my two girlfriends from Oregon are coming out, my childhood friends. And they have never been to New England. So I have to show them everything in one week. So we're starting in Boston, in Boston. And uh where they're uh, ending up in Maine. So that should be fun. Mm. Do Vermont, New Hampshire, Cape Cod, Provincetown, um, and uh, Portland, unless they want to do the coastal route. So, yeah, I'll be driving a lot. That's for sure. Yeah. That'd be <laughs> nice, though. Never been to Provincetown. It's supposed to be nice, I heard. You've never been to P-Town? No. Oh, it's awesome. Definitely go. That should be on your list. You're definitely, I hate to say bucket list. It sounds so, it's everybody uses bucket list. That should be on your list of things to do before you leave the planet. <laughs> well, I'm not going anywhere for vacation. I'm so depressed about that. Not even <laughs> Sonoma? You're not going up to Sonoma? Oh, yeah. I've already been there. So <laughs> I went there earlier this year. So. Vicki, if I ever Back come to, the next time I go to California, I'm, I'm calling you. And you better. Yes, we need to because do... we don't even know if you're real or not. You're That's fake. right, you're Vicky not... and I. Know, Vicky <laughs> and I know we're real. Vicky and I know we're real. See, one thing that you'll like, Suze, is when we go to Cleveland, we're going back to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's such an awesome place. But we're also going to Canton for the Football Hall of Fame because that's something Whoa. my husband has always wanted to do. Now I cannot stand football, but I figure <laughs> he's going to be sitting through three Red Sox games. And he doesn't like, he doesn't like baseball. Football. How can you not he, like football? Yes. How can anyone not See, like he football? likes football better than baseball. So, oh, it's, and we're only going to be an hour away. And I said, you know, we're, huh? you're going to be sitting through three Red Sox games. You have go to countless concerts with me that you don't want to go to. We, I can live one day going to Canton to the Football Hall of Fame. So, well, and plus like we have some friends. He doesn't like going to the concerts either? He does. But I mean, I think he's also of the mindset, if I said to him, you know something, I'm done with concerts. I don't want to go anymore. He'd be, okay. Like we're going to see, <laughs> we're going to see Janet Jackson in a couple of days. Uh, that's our next one. We've Love already. Concerts. This is like this. I never even think to do stuff like that. And they have all kinds of stuff around that I could go to. And I just never think to oh, go. Oh yeah. Like last week we went, actually went to New Jersey to see mm-hmm. Styx and Joan Jett. Uh, we've already Jeez. we went we went Sticks out to is a, still around. Yeah, they were good. And they're yeah, and they were good. We had great seats too, and we went yeah. to um, we saw Roger Daltrey. 
We saw uh, Journey and Def Leppard. We where else did we go see? Uh, Foreigner with White State. Are you gonna you gonna go see the movie about Queen? Uh, 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 no, I don't go to out? the movies. I don't go to the movies. I thought you don't. I forgot about that. No, yeah. I'll, maybe I'll see it when it comes out. I'm not really. Uh, yeah, not that big of a deal to me. I mean, Queen I saw back in 1980. So I, I wish I, I wish I'd seen it. I never saw them. Yeah, but I mean, I'm still you know doing the. I've got tickets for Alice Cooper in October. Jeez. Which he's just kind of like, do I, hopefully I have to work that night. And he, and he thought he did. He's like, oh, I can't go without Alice Cooper. I have to work. I'm like, guess what? <laughs> <laughs> so it turns out he can go. He's like, oh, good. I'm going to Alice Cooper. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper lives in Scott. He lives in Scottsdale and he has a really great radio show. Have you ever listened to his radio show? No. Oh, he's great. He has a whole bunch of tidbits because he's he's he knows all these people and he plays, you know, a lot of classics. It's really good. Did I, you see I, Jesus Christ Superstar when it was on on Easter? I did he see played it I don't know the story King Harold. I'm not sure of the story very well, but Alice Cooper had a small part. He played the king. He was fantastic. Uh, uh. I guess we should wrap up. We are happy to be back. And we hope everybody had a good summer so far and is having a good rest of the summer. And uh, you are doing the baseball games and the hiking and this traveling and everything that it is that you'll enjoy doing over the summer. So, again, thank you for listening. We're happy to be back. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. I'm Jake Adams. And I'm Peter Searle. And together, we are Nanobites. All right. A brand new channel with the express purpose of bringing fun and variety to your computer, TV, smartphone, or anywhere else. We've been making content in different forms on this site for years now. But we figured now was as good a time as any to really knuckle in and do something a bit more focused. But Jake? Yeah, Pete? What kind of videos can you expect to watch here? On this channel, you can find lots of things, like comedy, horror, parody, drama, and even action. Whoa, now that's some fun stuff you got going on there. That's right, Jake. And we have all of that and more. So come on in and take a look. I'm Jake. And I'm Peter. And together, we are Nanobites. Forget it. Yeah, that's good. I don't... I don't...